with the Cloverdale Center for Youth and Family Ministry. And uh, so I'm thankful for that opportunity that they allow me to do that. And when we started this quarter and this topic of grandparenting, I literally had about one hour of material. It's like maybe I could stretch that into two Sundays. And so it has allowed me to expand what I normally do in the area of grandparenting, and so I appreciate that. We're probably in week six or seven now. And so I appreciate your allowing me uh, this opportunity uh, to expand this conversation, intentional grandparenting, passing our faith on to our grandchildren. Please know that I am challenging Steve uh, to raise the bar, the level of expectation. Even as I prepared for our class today, you know, I was stepping on my own toes as a grandparent and, and saying I need to raise the bar, the level of expectation uh, for myself as a grandparent. Uh, in so doing, allowed me to take a moment and honor my good wife. Uh, when I talk about marriage, I say you should hold each other in a place of honor, so I need to practice what I teach. And uh, I would like to honor Wanda in saying that she is an absolutely incredible grandparent. And uh, she sometimes stands in the gap for a poppy that's a little too busy sometimes. Uh, by the way, she, uh, she's got this grandparenting thing down. She doesn't choose to come to this class. She's in the marriage class. So she didn't hear me honor her, but she is such a wonderful grandparent. I haven't seen my grandchildren since December, so it's spring break, and I'm in need of some yard therapy, if you know what I mean. But guess who's kind of saying, you need to go, you know, we need to make a trip. And so guess who's going to make a trip? That's where I'll be next Sunday. I'll be seeing my grandchildren. So thank you again to the elders and to you in allowing me to extend this conversation a bit, hopefully to the blessing of others. Uh, if you remember several weeks ago, I shared with you the idea that tell me and I forget, show me and I may remember, Involve me and I understand. And uh, I like that quote. And I think it says a lot about education and teaching. Uh, we said something about, I bet you can remember one of your favorite scenes from a movie you, you saw several years ago, but you probably can't remember the sermon from four weeks ago, at least me. I've got a good memory. It's just short. And... Um, but isn't it true? And I, as I think back as a parent, I think I did well in teaching and telling my children. I believe I did pretty well in, in showing them and modeling, being an example to them. And I know I did some of the third one involving them, but if I had it to do over again, I would give perhaps my greatest attention there to involve them in experiences that will shape and instill uh, traits of character and faith within them. I think I could, if I had it do over again, I think I could do that one uh, better. And so, um, 
So we've had a conversation over the last several weeks where we have kind of focused on maybe try this at home or try this with your grandchildren where you involve them in something that will instill the traits of character and faith uh, that we long to see and that's necessary for passing our faith on to our grandchildren. There's, uh, there's another quote I like also, and it's kind of similar to this one, but a little different. It says, people forget what you tell them. People may remember what you do. People seldom forget how you make them feel. Isn't that true? People seldom forget how you make them feel. And so uh, I got me a new copy of Grandpa Says, by the way, since the rain got all over my other one. But uh, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I pray, and we'll pause for prayer here in just a moment, Sometimes when I pray, I pray that God would bless this moment beyond this moment. That God would bless what's taking place in this moment in ways that I cannot see. Perhaps at some future time that I don't even understand in the moment. You with me? Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Grandpa says is a book of wisdom, character development, a grandpa writing his grandchildren lessons for life. You know, most of them are just two pages. We read a few last week, right? Well, Robert Hall wrote this to his grandchildren and then decided, he wrote these weekly letters to his grandchildren, and then he decided to publish it. And he published Grandpa Says. Well, I don't know why, but many years ago, When I was in Abilene, Texas, Robert Hall asked me to go to Sweetwater, Texas, Sweetwater Church of Christ, Wednesday night. He was speaking on aging and grandparenting, right? And he had Grandpa says. Now, here I am driving with Robert Hall from Abilene to Sweetwater, kind of wondering why he asked me. I was just going along for the ride to attend. And I think that actually crossed my mind. He took an interest in me and wanted me to go along. And perhaps it was for something beyond what we could see in that moment. And so last week we were talking about, you know, taking these lessons of life and could we take scripture, a Bible story, and maybe put with each of them. There are powerful videos out there. I know they are because I use them. And we could maybe put a powerful video with some of these lessons. Like there's some powerful videos of Jesus washing feet, Jesus cleansing the temple, or just just real life experiences that are real, that you can see it. And one of the challenges in recent research about youth and family ministry is young people today seeing the Bible as something irrelevant to them. And I'm sitting here thinking, wow, would I hope to live long enough to have the time and resources to take each of these lessons, perhaps, or many of them, add a Bible story to it, 
put a powerful video that illustrates it, send it out to grandparents and parents and youth ministers all over. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? Lessons of life. Teach it in a way that our young people help parents, help grandparents teach the Word of God in a way that's very real to our children and grandchildren. Are you with me? I hope I live long enough to be able to do that. I think it would be wonderful, wonderful material to do that. Maybe you can partner with me in some way doing that, helping our parents and grandparents teach these lessons, what Grandpa says. Speaking of Grandpa and what Grandpa says, we got David Short. After our class last week, uh, David came to me. He had an observation about something I was saying. I'm like, I hope I remember that for next week. And I didn't remember, but he did. So, David, come share some of your thinking with us on this important subject. Thank you. That was a great lesson last week on uh, Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter. And you might want to turn to Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, if you will, for just a moment. And a couple of observations there that I hope might be helpful to us. Uh, we've had many times, we've had lessons about... Uh, uh, living or putting the signs and doing different things in front of our children. But there, there's another a point to be made in this particular uh, passage uh, that will help us individually and make it easier for us to, in fact, do these things in front of our children. And to put it into perspective, remember now, here's Moses. He's just uh, in a chapter two before this. You can go back and read on your own. Read on your own about the tablets of stone and so forth. And then in chapter 10, he starts making the point about how we live in our heart. In chapter 10, if you want to look, and I'm not going to read it all, just a couple of verses to point out. Maybe you might want to underline. In verse 12, uh, he says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord God, but to walk in all his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul? You've heard that before. And then down in verse 16, he says, Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart. Clean out your heart how you live, he says. And then over in chapter 11, verse 13, he says, again, he points out, And if indeed, if, if you will indeed obey my commands that I command you today, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, he will give you the rain, in other words, he'll bless you, and the point he's admonishing them is to stay faithful, and it begins with their heart. And you recall, if you were here for the lectureship, um, Hawatha Jones, that first Sunday night, really emphasized about the word all. And what does it mean? It means all. And so the Lord here is saying, do these things, and then he cautions them in verse 16, Take care lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside to other gods. Now all the points now I've been making about the heart leads us down to teaching our children. And this is so important, but you, but you see what's more important than teaching our children is beginning with our own heart being right. Because notice as he begins that instruction, he says, Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart, verse 18, in your heart, 
and in your soul, and then you shall bind them on a, a, a sign on your hand. And, and we talk about them then living before your children. The point is, it's kind of like they used to tell preacher boys. When you're preparing to preach, you study and study till you preach from the overflow. When our heart is so full of God's will that there's an overflow, our children will see that. We can put the family Bibles on our, uh, on our coffee tables and we can go around and put verses on the wall and maybe wear a cross or whatever. Children see through that. It's like God says, you know, you honor me with your lips and you burn the sacrifice and so forth, but your hearts are far from it. Children see through the veneer of a life that's not true to the heart. So then when our hearts are full of God and we're doing all we can, the overflow will influence our children. Does that mean we're perfect? No, we're not perfect. But we keep on trying to be perfect because then concluding in Matthew 5 and 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. What does that mean if you're not pure in heart? You'll never see God. So we strive to be pure in heart and in doing so it'll be easier to lead our children to the Lord. Hey, thank you, David. Reminds me, I really like that notion of overflow. Kind of reminds me of that quote we did a few weeks ago. I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather you walk with me than merely point the way. The eyes of more ready pupil than ever was the ear. Good advice is often confusing. Example is always clear. Hey, uh, I don't know if it's providential or not, but maybe I just found my substitute teacher for next week. Huh? I'm like, huh? Like, I'm just teasing, all right? Okay. <laughs> Thank you for that, David. It begins with our heart, and I love that idea of the overflow of our heart. Now, let's see if we can take this conversation a little further. Uh, We've been using a theme of being special. We know that our uh, grandchildren are special, but I've been trying to suggest to you that grandparents are special in a multitude of ways. They have a special love, right? They're special uh, recreational companions, you know, and such. Well, today I'd like to suggest grandparents give a special blessing or give special blessings. Look with me at Genesis, the uh, 48th chapter. Let me get back into my phone Bible here. Genesis, the 48th chapter. We'll look at verses 8 through 16. Uh, Jacob here, referred to as Israel, says, When Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, Who are these? They are the sons God has given me here, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me so I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes were failing because of old age, and he could hardly see. So Joseph brought his, <coughs> his sons close to him, and his father, watch this, <coughs> his father kissed them and embraced them. Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face again. 
And now God has allowed me to see your children too. Then Joseph removed them from Israel's knees and bowed down with his face to the ground. And Joseph took both of them, Ephraim, on his right toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh on his left towards Israel's right hand, and brought them close to him. But Israel reached out his right hand and put it on Ephraim's head, though he was the younger. And crossing his arms, he put his left hand on Manasseh's head, even though Manasseh was the firstborn. Now watch this. Then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel who has delivered me from all harm, may he bless these boys. May they be called by my name and the names of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac, and may they increase greatly on the earth. Oh, Israel, Jacob is giving a blessing to his grandchildren, much as fathers would give a blessing uh, to their sons. And I'm suggesting to you today that grandparents give a special blessing to their grandchildren. If we study the Old Testament blessing, I would suggest maybe four elements of the blessing that you can see in this example. Number one, the blessing involves meaningful touch. And we've actually talked about meaningful touch before, haven't we? Haven't, did you notice how uh, Israel, Jacob, embraced his grandchildren? They were on his knee. And we've certainly talked about meaningful touch and the place of appropriate affection and thing. But in this moment of blessing... He touches them. He places his hands upon them. The blessing is always verbalized. It's a spoken message. You've got to say it. They need to hear it. In previous weeks, we talked about the power of the spoken word. We talked about the power of meaningful touch, but we also talked about the power of the spoken word. You say it. And there are things that your children and your grandchildren may need to hear you say. And I'm going to challenge you a bit here, and maybe for some of us older guys, that, that doesn't come as easily and readily as it does for others. I have witnessed men stand in front of their children and their grandchildren and begin to say something that they need to hear. Maybe it's a family reunion. You're not real sure how many more family reunions you have. I've witnessed men stand in front of their children and grandchildren, and they begin to share something deep within them that they need, the children and grandchildren need to hear. And I've literally seen their eyes tear over and their lips begin to quiver, and they turn and walk away. And they can't break. That old rule, real men don't cry, and real men don't show emotion. And I suggest to you that what's taking place here between Israel and Joseph and his grandchildren is a very 
powerful, emotional moment of meaningful touch and a spoken word. You with me? The blessing attaches high value. The blessing says you are special. You are esteemed. Uh, I admire you are capable. And the blessing pictures a special future. Oh, what I would envision for you, what I would hope for you, would be a special future in the kingdom of God. If I were to give you an example of what I'm referring to here, maybe something we have not done or talked about nearly enough. But uh, years ago, uh, my son, Alan, actually, well, let me back up a bit. Uh, We first gave a blessing to our son, Alan, I guess, when he was graduating high school. Uh, We then gave a, a blessing to Alan and Rachel as they got married. It doesn't always have to be something you have penned, your own words. I was traveling years ago. I was in Washington, D.C., uh, back in my CPA life. And I went, to, uh, I went to a little card shop there while I was away. I had my family on my mind. I had my children on my mind. And uh, I, f- I found a writing that would be the blessing that I would want to share with my son. It's like if I had written this myself, I don't think I could have written it any better. Maybe a little. Maybe a little. And so I bought the card for him, and I bought a card for Amy, and when they graduated from high school, we presented it to them in a frame, where they will keep our blessing before them throughout the years. It now hangs in my son's home. And I hope he'll always remember his father's blessing. But guess what? I share this blessing with my grandson as well. Listen to this. It's just an example. May you find serenity and tranquility in a world you may not always understand. May the pain you have known and the conflict you have experienced give you the strength to walk through life facing each new situation with courage and optimism. Always know that there are those whose love and understanding will always be there, even when you feel most alone. May you discover enough goodness in others to believe in a world of peace. May a kind word, a reassuring touch, and a warm smile be yours every day of your life. And may you give these gifts as well as receive them. Remember the sunshine when the storm seems unending. Teach love to those who know hate. And let that love embrace you as you go into the world. May the teachings of those you admire become a part of you so that you may call upon them. Remember, those whose lives you have touched and who have touched yours are always a part of you, even if the encounters were less than you would have wished. 
May you not become too concerned with material matters, but instead place immeasurable value on the goodness in your heart. Find time in each day to see beauty and love in the world around you. Realize that each person has limitless abilities, but each of us is different in our own way. What you may feel you lack in one regard may be more than compensated for in another. What you feel you lack in the present may become one of your strengths in the future. May you see your future as one filled with promise and possibility. Learn to view everything as a worthwhile experience. May you find enough inner strength to determine your own worth by yourself and not be dependent on another's judgment of your accomplishments. May you always feel loved. That's our blessing, our hope for our son. And we have since shared that blessing uh, oftentimes with students, what we would hope for their lives as well. As a practical matter then, I guess... um, Alan and Rachel came to us a number of years ago, and they said, we want to begin a family tradition. So on Christmas of every year, each of the sets of grandparents share their blessings with our grandchildren. Sometimes I I do the efficient way and have to admit, I'll write one for all three. (laughs) Wanda is pretty, I mean, you know Wanda, she's going to write a special blessing to each one of those grandchildren. She writes three, and sometimes I do too. But what a wonderful tradition, that that Christmas, a day of giving and celebration, we're going to set aside some time for you to hear the blessing of your grandparents. You with me? Hey, it doesn't have to be Christmas time. You could choose another day. Maybe their birthday would be great. Any thoughts on the blessing? Yes, Brother Bills. Right. Wow. That's what an excellent thought. He he remembered not only his father, but also his grandfather. Yes. Excellent point. Other thoughts on giving the blessing. Is this something you and I can do? Yeah. You can write the blessing, share the blessing with your children. And grandchildren. Hey, um, speaking of their birthdays, I said you might choose to do it on their birthday, right? Number eight, how do grandparents influence? Grandparents are special prayer warriors. Once every day, twice on their birthday. How about that? I love the dog, you know. Scripture would suggest... So, 
Yeah, oh, can't hardly see this one, right? In the morning, Lord, you, you, learn, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and wait expectantly. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open unto their cry. And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. And then you're most familiar with James 5.16. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. Or, I do happen to like King James when it comes to 5.16. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need to be prayer warriors for our children and our grandchildren. I think that's something we can do well. Uh, there's a book I've uh, referred to that I like, and if you don't mind, I'll share part of it with you, The Power of a Godly Grandparent by Stephen and Janet Bly. They have a section in here on prayer, and if you don't mind, I might add, share some of their subtopics with you on each of these. Grandparents are special prayer warriors. Pray for your grandchildren. Pray for their salvation. And so uh, here's what they note. That God will bring people into their lives to present the gospel to them. Well, we're going to do that, right? Uh, but as I think about praying for the salvation of my grandchildren, I'm thinking I, I pray that they'll be believers. I pray that they will always be seekers. When I pray for their physical protection and health, I always pray protect them in spiritual ways as well. Guard them, protect them from the schemes of the evil one. You with me? Satan's deceptive. You don't get married and the devil leaves you alone. You don't bring children and grandchildren into this world and the devil leaves them alone. Oh, pray that they would be guarded from the schemes of the evil one. There are many voices out there, many voices these days. They walk around listening and reading these many voices day in and day out. I pray that they will discern God's instruction, God's teaching, or God's voice in that way in their lives, that they will hear most clearly God's will for their lives. Number two, pray for their education and their wisdom. I give my thoughts and then maybe share a few of, of theirs. When I think of their education and wisdom, I hope my grandchildren have a curiosity. Uh, I'm not just talking about formal education. I'm talking formal and informal education and the world of ideas and such. I hope they have a healthy curiosity. But as I think about their education and their wisdom, I'm reminded of something someone told me when I got my Ph.D. They said, uh, Steve, 
you can now be confident that your education exceeds your intelligence. They knew me well. <laughs> if you go long enough, they'll give you one, if you know what I mean, right? If you just go long enough, they'll give you one. But I took that to heart. You can be confident that your education now exceeds your intelligence. And I'm here to tell you, I know theologians out there that have become so learned, learned, that they know more or they know better than God. And my prayer for my grandchildren is that they, their education, their learning will never take them to a place where they know better than God. You with me? What I mean by that? Let's see what the author says. That God will give them a desire to do their best that their minds will be challenged, pray for their teachers, their school systems, for a safe, healthful classroom environment, for the courage, watch this, to speak biblical truth even in the classroom. Wow, is that not relevant today? For learning God's lessons for them. That they will learn lessons much deeper than report cards and achievement tests can measure. Oh, I like that. Oh, that in your education, in your classrooms, you'll learn lessons for life that are much deeper than what you can put on a report card or an achieve, show on an achievement test. Number three, pray for their health and safety. Uh, I know you do that, and... Uh, and so I've already alluded to, you know, I pray for my children and grandchildren's health, physical health, and certainly their physical safety. I, I, I don't completely understand God's providence, but I trust in it. I believe in it. And I pray that God would, would uh, walk, give travel mercy, safety day by day in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Again, I don't completely understand it, but I believe in it that God hears our petition and holding up our children and grandchildren as they go about the routines of life. I want to be holding them up for physical safety, but not only physical safety, but spiritual protection as well. Oh, watch over them emotionally. Guard their hearts, as David was sharing earlier. Guard their hearts from the schemes of the evil one. Protect them in spiritual ways as well as in health and safety. Pray for them in their trials and temptations. Oh, I would pray that they would, uh, that the trials and struggles of life would never undermine their faith, even those moments when God doesn't act the way we would maybe expect or want God to act. Do you know what I mean by that? Do you think the Israelites ever woke up in the morning, wonder where God is in this deal when they were in captivity? I suspect some of them did. What do you do with God's silence? What do you do when God doesn't intervene the way you would Want God to intervene? Oh, I hope, my prayer is this, that you will respond in faith and love. Even, watch this, 
when it doesn't make sense to believe. That's what I gather in studying much of the the Old Testament. When you see God showing his power in such ways, and yet so many of the Israelites, the people, failed to give God what he wanted most, which was faith and love. Oh, I hope you'll see God's power once and for all in the cross. And in those moments of life when God might seem distant, and God doesn't intervene, God doesn't behave, God doesn't act the way you expect God to act, I, my prayer is that you'll be, you'll be a believer. You'll, it will not undermine your faith, but you'll give God faith and love even if it doesn't make sense to you. It's my hope for my grandchildren in the trials and temptations of life. Pray for their careers. Let me see what, uh, maybe share with you what they suggest here. Oh, well, let me just put it in my own words. I was a CPA for 15 years. Before I started studying very seriously Romans chapter 12 and spiritual gifts, I was a CPA partly because an older brother of mine was a CPA, and we were both very good in math. So you either had to choose medicine or business or engineering. I took enough physics to know I didn't want to do engineering, right? And so uh, I was good at math, and so that means you're a CPA. And unfortunately, we have far too many of our young people who make career decisions and choices that way. And then after I was a CPA for 15 years, that same brother, CPA brother's wife, shared with me a book by Don and Katie Fortune called Discovering Your God-Given Spiritual Gifts. It wasn't talking about uh, miraculous gifts. It was talking about motivational gifts, things you read about in Romans 12. It's like some are teachers, some are servers, some uh, give a word of encourage, are encouragers, exhorters, some show compassion, some are givers, some are leaders, administrators. All of that made sense to me. And it correlated the uh, spiritual, it, it, it correlated those sp- motivational gifts, spiritual gifts, with certain careers. Well, I was a CPA auditor. Well, if you know anything about an auditor, it's like, you know, I'm supposed to be the bad guy. One of my mayor friends says, hey, Steve, you know what a, what a, uh, what an auditor is, and I'm like, what's that, Mayor? And he says, well, an auditor is someone who walks through the battlefield after the battle and shoots the wounded. I'm like, I think I know what you mean. He said, but don't feel bad. You know what a lawyer is? And I'm like, what's that, Mayor? He says, well, he's somebody that walks through the battlefield after the auditor and strips the bodies, you know? And I'm like, I I think I get your point. And so I started studying Romans 12 and this discovering your God-given spiritual gifts. And, uh, and as I studied that, I became convinced that, well, you might be to guess, that I think my motivational gifts are compassion. I love people. And exhortation. I want to give you a word of encouragement. And so I looked up auditor, and what they do is they correlate the gifts with vocations. And I looked up auditor, and it had like zero stars, meaning 
how likely you are to use exhortation and compassion, right? You with me? I'm like, no wonder I've grown so frustrated. My career doesn't match my giftedness, my, my heart, my motivation very well. Oh, help your children see their giftedness and match it with a career path. Hey, I've got to move on. Pray for the fu- their future mates. Oh, I wish I, I don't. Oh, we could not have chosen a better wife for our son, Alan, than our daughter-in-law, Rachel. Pray for their future mates. Hey, I've got to do this quickly. Grandparents, pray for your grandchildren. Be alert for particular specific needs of the kids as you're talking to them on the phone, as you're uh, talking to your children and they're talking about your grandchildren. Listen to what they need. It might be a, be a big test that's coming up and very practical ways, specific things you can pray for. Develop a monthly prayer calendar. Oh, I like that idea. Hey, how about buy, you could probably get one pretty cheap at uh, maybe even at uh, uh, Quite the Pair. Have y'all got any of those like, hey, still left over on half price here in March? Go get you a calendar and start keeping a monthly prayer calendar. Wouldn't that be neat? Johnny has this field trip on, you get the picture, and you're logging it and praying about it. Ask them what they want you to be praying about. So ask your grandchildren. Let them know you are praying for them. And share with them your own personal prayer request. I may say a few more things about that in a week or two. But how about I leave you with this? Bear with me a moment. We'll run over just a second. I I have a parent's prayer, and it works very well for grandparents, so I kind of adapted it. Watch this. Oh, Heavenly Father, make me a better grandparent. Teach me to understand my grandchildren, to listen patiently to what they have to say, and to answer all their questions kindly. Make me as attentive to them as I would have them be to me. Forbid that I should be indifferent in the face of their mistakes. May I always be mindful of the importance of my influence on their lives. Guide me day by day that I may demonstrate by all I say and do that faith produces eternal hope, character is demonstrated in righteousness, And honesty brings happiness. And when I feel old and out of sorts, help me, O Lord, to hold my tongue. May I ever be mindful that my grandchildren are children, and I should not expect of them the judgment of adults. Help me to teach them to earn their own way and to learn to do for themselves. Make me fair and just and kind, and fit me, O Lord, to be loved and respected and imitated by my grandchildren. That'll be our prayer for today. Thank you for being here. Hope to see you week after next.